We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hell, coming at you guys from Blue Wire Studios in the Wind Resort in Las Vegas. Another good week of combat sports on our hands. Starting this week, talking UFC, because we just had UFC 294 pay-per-view go down in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, I'm correct. All right, cool. Just because I didn't, you know, in case a referee asked me where I'm at, you're I just want to be very, yeah, I want to be very specific. <laughs> I can't just say the fight is coming at you uh, from the desert. Uh, so That'll get you a uh, doctor stoppage. <laughs> exactly. Well, that, that doctor was Dr. Doom. I don't know what that, <laughs> yo, my man got hit in the nuts. He was like, no, you didn't. No. He was like, yes, you, he was like, my, he said, I hit my dick and my balls. balls. <laughs> and the ref was like, no, you didn't. Get up. Both. Took that motherfucker to the hospital. <laughs> and then he comes back later. He was like, hey, guy that doesn't speak English, where are you? in the desert not yeah. good enough <laughs> oh my god the fact that someone didn't do the franken beans play from there's something about mary after yeah. he said i got him dick and balls is a missed opportunity Frank and beans <laughs> yeah. i just watched this shit the other night yo something about mary is incredible still hilarious all these years later cameron diaz is excellent by the way oh my god there's it's a good we'll get back to this usc thing uh so i was watching Wedding Crashers, a million times. And someone on Twitter, I think it ended up on Jamel Hill's timeline. It was like, yo, what's the most, what movie from 2000s on has the most replay value? And she is firm that it's Step Brothers. Step Brothers is pretty high. I don't know if it's my number one. It's not my, like, I could watch Super Bad. Every yeah. single day. See, mine is Anchorman. I could watch Anchorman eight million times. I could watch Anchorman right now and just word for Anchorman, Super Bad, Step Brothers. Um, what else is it? But those three are like right off. Yeah, two thousands on is tough. Yeah, there's something about Mary. I think just missing. Yeah, something about Mary was ninety nine. Did you ever see Very Bad Things? No, you've never seen Very Bad Things. Oh, uh-huh. go find this shit. Cameron Diaz is in this also. It is. It's a dark comedy about a bachelor party that just. Terribly, it's it's the hangover before the hangover, but it's way more fucked up. <laughs> like it's way more. Fu- Jeremy Piven's in it. Uh, oh, Christian I- Slater's in it. 
It came out right around the same time, but it was so dark. I think I remember the poster. Yeah, you probably do. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about, but I I still have never watched. Watch this movie. Anybody listening to this podcast, you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's yeah, it's the hangover because you know it's a bachelor party. But yo, when I tell you shit goes left, people would say the hangover, but nah, I don't find myself watching the hangover. Nah, not as much as super bad. Like I'll no. There are movies that I go to sleep watching because I don't have to watch them, but I know I can enjoy them and I can stay awake and fall asleep and not miss anything. Super bad is one of those movies. Yeah. Anchorman, I'll actually stay up. It makes me stay up because it's too fucking funny. Uh, when did Zoolander come? I think it made the cut. Zoolander. Uh, too, uh, Zoolander's funny. What is this? A school for ants? <laughs> Yo, I'm laughing. This movie cracks me up every time. No, 40-year-old virgin. 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, it's up there. But no, no Anchorman's. 40-year-old virgin might be the funniest, like just pound for, pound for pound, funniest of all of them. I don't know. I'm, I'm all big, of them. I'm big on that. I'm big on Anchorman and him reading oh, the teleprompter. <laughs> when he puts Rump Shaker on in the joint, well, yeah. he's just like waves coming at you. Yeah. That and <laughs> Kevin Hart no boy arguing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Say, if you play Yamo Be There one more fucking time, I'm going to Yamo <laughs> blow my veins out. <laughs> like, that shit has me there was a There's a window of, of comedy from like, I want to say like 96 to like where the Farrelly brothers started doing yeah. comedies until like, I mean, there's still good ones, but there is that one when Seth Rogen and everybody yeah. was starting to come up. And Judd just like took over for a quick period of yeah, time. Yeah, and it was, they were just out of control. Like something about Mary falls in that category. Yeah. Out of control funny. And it's, I miss that era. Damn, knocked up. Yeah. Yeah, there was, there's a lot of them. And then it kind of just fell off a cliff. Yeah, it, they weren't the same. Nah. Like the comedy became almost too over the top sometimes. <laughs> where it was just like, all right, like this is funny, but. It's not as clever funny as it was. And they stopped like putting money into it. Like everyone wanted to make like Avengers. Yeah. Like everything had to be a blockbuster mega hit. It's like, yo, just give me a funny comedy. Yeah. Then the Ambrose kept doing sequels like Zoolander 2 sucked. Anchorman 2 sucked. I wish they didn't make those. Step Brothers is hilarious. Put his nuts on his drum set. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You see the Boats and O's with Snoop performance? (laughs) It's incredible. Um... No, yeah, just think about, like, the last one was probably, like, Cockblockers with John Cena. That had me, like, actually laughing. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Like, as a parent, like, that shit is funny. It's just, like, Book Smart was really funny. There's, like, other movies. I haven't seen Bottoms yet. Bottoms is supposed to be. I haven't seen it. But it's just that that particular era of comedy, it's like they couldn't miss. Well, I remember seeing Superbad for the first time. And <laughs> McLovin! Nice. That was like my line for like a, a year. <laughs> I just, everything I loved about that movie is just so ridiculous. And it's the second most common name. <laughs> like behind Muhammad. <laughs> Bro, he picked McLovin. <laughs> and as I get older, I think anytime I watch that movie, I still laugh. Napoleon Dynamite is also really funny. Yes. Napoleon, like <laughs> him throwing the steak and hitting him on the bike. <laughs> Yo, I'm Uncle sorry. Rico gets pulled up at least twice a year. Oh. Yeah. Vote for Pedro? Yeah. Napoleon Dynamite. Like, my, it's funny. I watched that movie. This is an MMA show. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. We can talk about this anytime. <laughs> but when I first watched Napoleon, it's like my kind of comedy. And like, it's not my sister-in-law's kind of comedy. And she's like, this is so stupid. And I was like, get out. <laughs> get out. Get don't out. you ruin this. Don't ruin <laughs> this for me. Like, Napoleon Dynamite is fucking hilarious. Napoleon oh. Dynamite, like The Office. Oh, yeah. When it, like, I'm watching The Office again for like the 10 millionth time. My wife has never watched The Office. What? Yeah. 
you know, have never watched. But someone the other day told her to like watch. All, so I pulled up like a clip today and she was laughing. I was all right, we got to watch. All. Dude, Steve Carell might be the greatest boss in television history. I just watched the episode where Stanley told him to leave him alone. Yeah. Or <laughs> in the episode before that, when Ryan was on cocaine, <laughs> when he went to the yo, the show, the show. I, I showed her the joint with Dwight's fryer drill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, the cat gets thrown into the joint and it just comes right back down. Oh, I was in tears. Yo, like that's what my wife like does for a living is like fire protection. So she's like um, just getting tired of being at home. So she's going to go back into like construction, like fire protection. So uh, she was going on interviews. And then someone's like, yo, you watched the fire, the fire protection episode of The Office? She's like, what? As soon as she was like, no, like I didn't know what they were talking about. Hold on. I put it right on. Laughed our ass off. One of the greatest (laughs) shows ever. Man. Oh, man. I love, dude, I watched The Office. It's just not this. Yeah. like We don't have shows. Like there are funny shows, but it's really not like funny people. Like, there's a few. no, Like, yeah, but like, it's, it's, Pete Davidson's young. He's not really like funny. No, he's not, he's not a Will Ferrell. No, he's not like movie funny. Like, Keenan Thompson's been around forever. I can't even. Keenan Thompson's like, been around. Yeah, it's like no one's transitioning necessarily from SNL to like funny movies. I mean, all the women have. Yeah, they have. It's just the run of women were like hilarious because you had bridesmaids, you get all that shit. Oh my God. Oh. The wedding dress try-on scene <laughs> the, is one of the best scenes in movie history. Oh you no. can't tell me any different. She's going. She's got, just in the middle of the street. Oh, my God. It's, like, it's so hilarious. So the weird part about this for me is, like, when you grow up with a bunch of black friends, you start watching these movies, and you have friends like, why do you watch this shit? And I'm like, bro, it's, it's like, re- legitimately fun. And they want to put on, like, Soul Plane. I'm like, get out. I'm not watching Soul Plane. I hate that movie. I hate it with like all my heart. You hate Soul Play? I hate it with everything I have. I love Soul Play. But it's it's a bad movie. It's bad. But it's so good. I hate that. <laughs> so it's like, but I, I'm big Zoolander. So like, that's my kind of comedy. It's always has been my comedy. Just coming to your house and asking to watch Soul Play. Not, you know, you have friends and it's just like, <laughs> I, that's a good question because nobody comes to my house and asks to watch no. it. But if you flip it through the channels and a family member like stops on it and I'm like, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> Like I have people come to my house and I'm watching The Office and you know my friend my family's like I don't see why this is funny and I'm like get out <laughs> just get out don't ruin my fun don't yuck my yum I enjoy <laughs> The Office Jesus damn they just want that's that's true some people just don't appreciate and honestly like I obviously we got some family members you like this yeah like yeah. Like, is there too many white people in it? Like, it, does that make it non-funny? It's a weird thing. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to watch Tyler Perry plays. No, I will not. Just because there's a bunch of black. I refuse. I, I put my foot down. So, like, yes, you you let me watch Friends on repeat for like the 18,000th time. Leave me the hell alone. Well, I draw the line of Friends. You know that. There's I know how you feel me. about this. But listen, me and the uh, endless amount of people who still buy merch about the show yes, would, will disagree. So, one of the so, I told you that my wife got Zeus, right? Yes. She's a woman of great class and, and sophistication. So my mother in law comes over to watch kids, and now she's hooked on like Zeus and Pluto, right? <laughs> so now all she watches whenever I come downstairs is Baddies, Baddies West, Baddies East, Baddies East, Chances reality show. That shit was funny. I can't take it. 
I come down, like she watches it and she's like so in tune to what's going on. And she's like, no, don't do that. I'm like, she's talking to the TV over these dumbass reality shows. And I'm like, oh my, I hate them all. I hate them with all my heart. I don't know how you watch this. It's I like my, it. my brain is fried watching these bad reality shows. Because it's so interesting watching people who are that willing to be dumb on a public platform. <laughs> That's just one way to put it. It's just, you can't look away. People are like, oh, you know, it's like a car crash. You can't look away. It's like a million of those, right? And you're just watching like, wow. I watched 90 Day Fiance and it's the wildest shit because you're like, these people are actually bringing people over on $15,000 visas and ignoring all of these red flags. Every single one. You're just watching it and be like, fam, you really think you're 60 and balding from dunk, Wisconsin and you flying in the baddest of IG model body Colombiana chicks and she's in love with you I gotta see how this plays <laughs> like, and oh my you got you have to watch this I can't dog the chick I don't the care the Colombian chick finally got to America they've been on like three seasons you're way too into this Yo, they've been on three seasons he's gone over there Blowing bread in Colombia. Like, yo, paper, paper. She has a nice ass high rise. He pays for that every month. Right? And shit is dirt cheap in Colombia. Breaking bread. Dude's an engineer. He refuses to take his hat off. Cause he refused. It's kind of like when you're like, yo, I have clear hair still. It's when I was like, he doesn't want people to think he's balding, but you know he's bald. Oh, he's on his way out. No, he's been out. Oh, he's been out the been game. Been out. Oh, but he yeah. never is on camera without a hat on. To the point that he was like, oh, we're going into the bedroom. It's sexy time. And he got his hat on. He refuses to take it off. So anyway, he's breaking bread in Colombia this whole time. They finally give her the visa. She gets over and without giving away the whole shit. You can give it away. I'm never going to watch has, it. She tells him on this past episode that he gave her 12 Gs. Like, yo, make sure you're good. Everything's settled in Colombia. Make sure, you know, your family gets a little bread because she has two kids that she's leaving till they get their visa. Make sure everybody's good. He goes 12 G's straight spends two on the plane. Take it over some clothes. She spends 10, the remaining 10 on a BBL before she comes over and she has to tell him when she gets, it is the funniest scene. So hilarious. And I was like, yo, this is real life. Whose life? This is his life his life ain't this is his life she's blowing money fast on a bbl chilling and she's way out of his league anyway and then she was like well i have a secret i'm keeping from. they're always keeping another secret i have a secret i'm keeping from she been had another man she be berating when they get in arguments she berates them. like yo my old boyfriend's a model like we got a tape we just made two weeks ago he's the guy keeps forgiving her it's ridiculous but this time she's like i gotta tell him secret the BBL cost 15K. I used his 10 and then my ex gave me the other five. And this is after she's cheating on him with this dude like five times. She's like, I'm not talking to him again. Now he paid for the yams. <sighs> There's another level of disrespect when I can't even enjoy you just having mad yeeks because someone else paid for it. Like, I'm just now doubly upset I'm upset that you wasted my money. And I'm upset that even if I was going to have fun with this, I'm only thinking of old boy. 
because he put up 33%. And somehow, in some country, he's entitled to 33% of his usage. Steiner math. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just very, very upset by the whole situation. Wow, got to start watching. This. So that was the opening of our show, everyone. <laughs> so we talked about comedy, and then we got to BBLs on 90 Day Fiance. So people watching, you guys know. No, uh, back to the UFC. Uh, we go keep running down the card, but it made me think of extracurriculars and wild shit. Before we came in here, Bud Light is their new sponsor, or Budweiser. They're back again. Back, back. Who cares? It's like old, old chicks. Side dude. I'm just saying, the they back come back. The, more the, fighters, money. the fighters ain't getting nothing. Not a damn thing. They did this whole press release, a rollout, ESPN did the story. Everything's cool. Not one mention of fighters getting any. They're not going to get anything. Historic it's a, deal. It's a bigger decal for them to slip on when they're in the octagon. That's all that shit is. Why can't they figure out how to make that tacky? I don't know. I don't know. But it, I don't care. All these sponsors, it's just, it's just more fuel of the fire. Like, yo, you keep making money hand over fist, and I'm out here fighting for a 12 and 12. Yeah, at this point, I'm just taking his disrespect. Even if you sign it, don't flaunt it in front of me. It's like, you know, spending the money on a BBL. That's exactly what this <laughs> shit is. Exactly <laughs> what That's it what is. Dana White's doing. It's like, oh, you want the money fighter? I'm spending on this BBL yeah. in the octagon. Like, I got kids. Nah. Fuck, fuck them kids. <laughs> our version of the BBL. Can't even drink Bud Light. Nah, nobody wants that. Light, of all the drinks. They had Modelo, right? Modelo, Which is the least. Yeah, Modelo's like, oh, delicious. Bud Light? Nah. Not at all. No one's, honestly, and I don't know what show in here, and Bud Light hasn't sponsored us in our years, so I'm safe saying this. Some show in here for like the draft got sponsored by Budweiser and Bud Light, and there were so many cases here in the studio. Dre, let's just, you refused. I, I will not. You, what? You, yeah, you looked no. at me like, how dare you even what? propose no, me drink a Budweiser or a Bud Light? No, absolutely. Bud, Coors, Miller. I don't do none of that shit. I do imports. <laughs> I don't do IPAs. But Ooh, IPAs. You mm, get the right one. Yeah, but yeah, I'll do weeds. I'll do but hazies. I'll do, I'll do a lot of things, but them old fucking domesticated ass beers <laughs> that you drank when you were like 14 and had your first beer, can't drink them. Oh, man. We used to get kegs of... Natty ice. That's this that's horrible. Yep. It's all right. I've been to a party at a keg of Milwaukee's That's Milwaukee's before. worst. Yeah. I will not drink that. Beast, as they call it back then. I just need to see. The keg was twenty five bucks if you already had the keg and just need a refill. That's crazy. An entire keg. We'd party all night and the next morning, and that shit would go flat. And the next morning off yeah. of twenty five dollars. Good old uh, To be young. The, the UFC. They should get Heineken to get more black. Think they want that? <laughs> you want to come through and sponsored by Red Stripe? Ah, uh, Gims. Yes, they don't I, even promote I, their I know, Jamaican right? champion when they yo had back in the day. I'd love to have them. Saint Ives Special Brew with the song and everything, but they would never do it. So Dana might fuck with that. Dana looks like he drank a Saint. Yeah, he would, and call up Snoop and shit. And yeah, 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 yeah. Dana's very weird because Dana has like this one side of Dana that's very public, and we all know that side of Dana. But there's also like a different side of Dana. We're like Dana, like. This shit is somewhat surprising because I've seen you. Like, I've seen you do, like, some relatively, like, cool guy shit. But it's not, it's very few and far between. That's, Dana, I don't know if this is an app comparison, but Dana White and Hulk Hogan remind me of the same person. They wear, like, Jordans. Yeah. Like, people like them until they find out about them and their politics. They're like, oh, wait, you're what? Hulk's <laughs> like, worse. Hulk is by far Hulk's the worst. Worse. And he's like... We'll see when Dana White gets older. 
what Maybe. kind of lighter he t- turns into. But it's like black like, like Dana White when people first got interested in the UFC, you saw Dana and you saw how passionate he was. And he was like, "Oh man, this is refreshing. He really cares." And then he was like, "I'm going to speak at the Trump National the Trump Convention." You're like, "Wait, wait, hold on." <laughs> to be fair, Dana White like likes black people as long as you're like shaking hands with well, terrorist dictators or you're speaking yes. at a national convention. Like if you align with like kind of the shit he likes, like he doesn't necessarily care if you're black. No, not a, at all. If he all. can call like Kamaru, Marty, like shit like that. Like of he's like, all right, cool. Like though you my peoples, like as long as we align or we just shut the fuck up and not talk about it at all. We cool peoples. See, I would prefer that for the most part, but that's not how he wrote. I feel, no, just like, yo, let me do what I do. You yeah. do what you do. If you in my presence, let's not talk about it. And that's kind of like handshake deal, right? Like that's his thing. When Tyron Woodley comes over and starts speaking about it, he's like, I got to cut you off, man. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear just about keep it on low. Yeah. Just shut the hell up. That's, that's kind of Dana. Hulk, Hulk Hogan is like the opposite. Hulk Hogan would be like, yo, you're cool. You're a black person. <laughs> no, the hell with that guy. Like, nah, like you just don't care what your alignment is. He bad mouth you in the background regardless. So, yeah, no, Hulk, nah, nah, it's, it's a lot of steroids. Like, his, I mean, I don't know what Dana's wrong. on. Have you seen Dana? He looks incredible. Oh, he does. He got um, a six pack again. He's like in his 50s. Yo, TRT is everywhere. Yeah, I'm going to try some. I went, I went into like a random, oh, I had to get blood, uh, blood tested. Like, you know, like yearly checkups and all the shit. Um, and for some reason, like our primary care place was like, oh, we're not doing testing in house. Go to this facility. Cool. So I had to go to the facility. I walk in. And it's like the Manjaro like weight loss joint that everyone's on now on a poster. And then there's a poster for male testosterone replacement. And it's like a month's supply for 450 bucks. You come in, we give you the shot. It's like, what? Just that easy. Yeah. It's just on the wall. Yeah. You ain't fighting. You ain't playing no professional that's sport. Crazy. You do whatever you want. Nah, that's wild. <laughs> you see Donald Cerrone. That's all he talks about is taking steroids now. Yeah, Cerrone's big and he's like I don't care I'm not fighting so I'm gonna be juiced to the gills he don't care that's crazy I figure I wonder how many TRT shots you need to get a crazy insane like liver king six pack compared to me getting fake De La Hoya abs alright you doing but I feel like De La Hoya abs isn't gonna like kill the rest of my body which is what I'm scared about the TRT because once you stop taking it you no longer produce testosterone like letting the helium out the balloon oh and it's all bad Come Flabby McFlabberson, and it's your whole life is that's <laughs> your whole shit. Hey, what's good about these goddamn fights? This is what oh, people want to hear. I think I don't know. No, I don't know. We were in the we're in the bubble around the UFC on that random ass conversation. Um, the fights from the weekend though, UFC two ninety. All right, let's start. The prelims sucked. They were chalk most of the time, except for Mike Breeden winning. Well, that was surprised, but man, so. Being on the West Coast, I was happy. Woke up at 7 in the morning, there was fights. And then they all sucked. Like, for the most part, they were bad. Yeah. Lots of decisions. Uh, until the Makayev-Tim Elliott fight, which ended exactly as I told you it would, because yeah. Makayev is a guy who, for whatever reason, he lets his opponent hang around to the third round, then submission city. That's Doesn't how he through. Nah, man. There's nobody runs through. Tim, Tim Elliott is squirrely and slippery. He's hard to keep down. He got caught. Yeah. But the prelims were trash. I was like, let me turn on this pen. And then I was like, what is 100% only watch like, that. I was like, what is this? Like watching that game. I was like, God damn it. Nothing's exciting this morning. No, uh, Penn State is not. 
I was like, oh my God. <laughs> they are good. Uh, this is highly ranked. Not good. There's no offense on that. And then we get to the main card of this. And business picked up quickly. Very quickly. Uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov, first round sub. Bro, it's like he just <laughs> shot for a takedown. Saeed was like, word? Snatched that neck up. That was, what, 20 seconds? Yep. So he has two of the three fastest submissions in Bantamweight history. No, the, the total. Is it the, he got the choke synced in in like 20 seconds. That's, then yeah. he had to finagle it a little bit. So the final was a minute and 10. Was it that long? Yeah. Didn't feel that long. He has two of the fastest well, submissions. Ain't nothing happened before really the shot from yeah. takedown. It was curtains. Yeah, it was a wrap because I remember seeing him cinch it in and I was like, wow, that was dumb. Yeah. It's, it's over. But it's like, these damn Nomega Medals, shit, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> good luck. Uh, Ikram in the next fight, Alice Karoff. So he was a goddamn squash match. Like, the UFC couldn't find anybody for Ikram to fight? No. Warley was like, I'll take the check. And yeah, but it's like, damn, you're going to get beat up for it? Alaskarov is good. The only person Ikram Alaskarov has lost to is Hamza Chemaev. The only person he's lost to. Got railroaded. though. Yeah, he did. Well, everybody kind of gets railroaded until we get to what, what happens tonight at this particular fight. But they need, I don't understand the matching up of Ikram to this point in his career. Alvis is not someone that you put in there with somebody who's, who's going as fast as Ikram is. I didn't understand this booking. I guess nobody wanted to fight him, maybe. Yep. And you, the guy wants to fight. Dana says that you have to or, offer each fighter at least three fights a year. So it's just like, this is the crowd that really wants to see you. Yeah, just to see. Let's get a squash match going. Hopefully he comes back in December. He sh- I mean, he should be back relatively quick. Quick turnaround. He didn't even get touched. <laughs> Worley had nothing for him. Nothing. Quick, fast. And then Ankalaya versus Johnny Walker. Here we go. All right. First and foremost. So to this point, we've had two fights for like a grand total, of like two minutes yep. on the main card. And I'm thinking, boy, it can't be that fast. Can it? Yes, it can. Easy. Illegal. I feel bad for Ankalaya. This is the ter- This is the second time. He just came off the Jan Blachowicz, uh mm-hmm. split draw that caused... And the UFC was like, neither of you fuckers will get a title shot again. And I thought he won that. It's a close fight. But yeah, I don't think either of them did enough to impress. Like even, yeah, fair. it's whatever. This fight, I thought it was going to be a really good fight. Johnny Walker had some nice momentum. Ankalaev coming off that one to prove something. I don't know what possessed Ankalaev to throw that knee on a down Johnny Walker. He had control of the fight. Right. I was like, what are you doing? Right. Because he threw one earlier in that se- sequence as well. And I was like, he didn't get a warning from the referee. And he was like, well, fuck it. I'll just throw another one. <laughs> Let's see what happens. It, Knee, his hand, everything clearly down. Yeah, so he hits him with it. it obviously, Johnny Walker's a bit dazed because he needed a down opponent. It's reminding me briefly of the Usyk-Dubois fight. Because yep. I was like, well, he should be take all the time he needs. Even if he's not hurt, fuck it. Take all the time that you need. Then the, the referee jumps in. This is the referee from the earlier fight where dude gets kicked in the nuts. We didn't even talk about that. That was We had two no contests on this card. <laughs> yes. What a weird card. But the doctor jumps in and he's, you know, he's looking at Johnny Walker and he's looking at the referee and he's looking at Johnny Walker. And then he decides to ask him where he is. And at some point, as a doctor, you should know that the man you're talking to's first language is not English, for starters. Second of all, he's not fighting somewhere that he normally fights, right? Abu Dhabi. And when you're in a fight, I don't care what anybody says, you may forget where you are. Yeah, it's not the first thing on my mind. Yeah, it's like, bitch, I'm in an octagon. I'm fighting. Yep. Let's start this thing up again. But he asks him, where are you? 
Johnny Walker says, I'm in the desert, which isn't wrong. No, that is the correct <laughs> answer. There's like, nothing wrong about that answer. He said, I'm in the desert. And the doctor was like, no, you're not. Stop the fight. But then what happens afterwards gets even crazier. Johnny Walker's mad because he's trying to start the fight up again because clearly English is not his first language. So he's thinking, oh, we're going to continue fighting. Everybody waved the fight off. Uncle I was like, well, if he wants to fight, I want to fight. So he squares up. (laughs) Walker's pushing people around. Dana White, this is where I give a lot of credit to Dana White because most people wouldn't do this. Dana gets up and gets in the octagon. Yeah. And was like, yo, he looks at Johnny Walker like, you don't want to do this right now. Calm the fuck down and we'll figure this out. And did you see how quickly Johnny Walker calmed down? Okay, boss. Yeah. <laughs> he he understands right that. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> shit. Like Dana look, I look, I talk shit about Dana and how he handles his business practices all the time, but these fighters respect him. And he gets in there and Air, Uncle Lai, I mean Uncle, yeah, Uncle Lai was even like, mm, boss is in here. Yeah. Chill out. Yeah. We ain't throwing security guards. No, we're, we're done we're, with the shenanigans. Yeah, we're done. We'll rebook this fight. It's yep. okay. And it ends in no contest. But Which is good. It looked like it was turning very sour for Johnny Walker. Yeah, real quick. It didn't look good for Johnny Walker, so hopefully they, they rebooked this. But now we are three fights in. I think we have a grand total of three minutes and 34 seconds of cage time. Yep. It took about 45 minutes for three fights. Yeah. Because they weren't slowing down. No, they were going, and I was like, man, I'm going to get out of here early tonight. Super fast. I'm going to get to watch the rest of these college football games. <laughs> like, holy shit. Do whatever I want. You were going to murder mystery? <laughs> yeah, I went to murder mystery dinner. That was great. Did you solve it? Uh, we got close. Nobody got it right. Oh, wow. So, look, we're going off the deep <laughs> path again. And everybody that's listening to this podcast is like, get to the main event. Sorry. Sorry. There's no card this week. We don't got none to preview. Yeah, we don't have. No guests? Nothing. This Too is what bad. you get. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Saturday night, uh, my wife and I, like, she's never been to a murder mystery dinner. And neither have I. So, Maggiano's out here in Summerlin. They uh, had a murder mystery dinner. And you pay. And you get a three-course meal. Then... There's a murder mystery in this room. Um, we were the only black people there. Of course. Like, of course. Like, as soon as I walked in, they all looked at each other. It was like, oh. is there a bunch of old people? Yes. I there was think, a few younger people. I think Elena's aunt went to that murder mystery. She posted photos on Facebook. Really? Yes. And they're like, mom's sister, they're like in the 60s. Yeah, there was a bunch of old people there. And yeah. it was like us. And there was like one other young couple. Yeah, 60s, 65. And Elena Lash is like, I wonder if Dre was at the same one. Yes, I was 100%. Because I'm pretty sure that's the only one. So you go and they serve dinner and then you have a detective come in. He immediately starts fucking with me. So I was like, whatever, I was fucking with him. And then there was like a murder's going to happen. So then you have these people walk in. Like it's Pee Wee Herman, Lady Gaga. Like these are people acting. Pee Wee Herman, Lady Gaga, Barbie, uh, a doctor. His name was Dr. Anthony Kula. Okay. Get back to this in a minute. And then there was a, there was like a bounty hunter. It was weird. And one of the people in the room, they get murdered. And then we all find out. We got to figure out the motive, why, who did it. And at first, like, this is dumb. And then it gets really complex. And each table is like a team. And my team, so this is my team. It's me, the journalist, my wife, the lawyer, and four people that work for the Metro Investigation Unit. Four Yo, women. <laughs> how did you not win this? We, we got the closest, right? That's like the Warriors losing after getting 73 wins in a season. Because we're sitting down and like other people like, they got regular jobs. And we meet, these is four <laughs> they old ladies. They they're regular, right? So 
So immediately when I sit down, the lady asks my wife what she does. And she's like, oh, I'm an attorney, business litigation, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, wow. And then she's like, what are you doing? I'm a, I was like, I'm a journalist. And, you know, she was like, what are you covering? And I mentioned sports. She was like, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I was like, stop. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to talk about this. And I was, you know, we were like, what do you guys do? And they were all different parts of the Metro Investigation Crime Unit. One of them investigated businesses focused on massage parlors, illegal practices in Las Vegas. She'd never be without a job. Bruh. And I, so, you know, I don't think we're paying attention. I was like, so rubbing tugs, right? Like we had this whole conversation about rubbing tugs and this murders happening around us. And we're like, we're like the super team. So, so, uh, hubris. Yes. The, uh, the brief story is the lady that gets murdered has two bikes in her. And there's, and there's, uh, so you get to ask the people, what did you see? What happened? They give you a list of questions you can't ask. None of those matter, but there's little tales as you're going through. So the doctor comes around. And he's, he's like, a doc, he does uh, hemoglobin. I'm like, sitting there. What's his name again? Dr. Anthony Kula. I was like, oh, bitch, Dracula? Right? <laughs> but you can't tell anybody else at the, ta- like, at the other table. So I said, Dracula, like, oh. So we're asking, like, do you like garlic? Like, do you, do you bite people? And they got, like, news clippings. It's, like, really complex. So it ultimately, it was Pee Wee Herman was getting framed because he's got a, a gambling problem. He, was gonna, he sent a ransom letter to Dracula, who was training Lady Gaga to be a vampire. So she did it for the ransom money. They accidentally poisoned the bounty hunter. Like, we had to go through this whole thing. We only missed Lady Gaga being a vampire in training. We got everything else right. So it was, I had a blast. I was like, yo, we (laughs) ate fucking pasta and spaghetti, and they gave up me all their drink triggers, so I drank a bunch of old fashions, and I had a blast. (laughs) But I was was like, yo, we are like the youngest. Investigation unit. Yeah, at Metro. I feel like that's like being a celebrity chef or like a pro chef and going to a cooking class at Total Exactly. Wine. Like, what are you doing? Here? Yeah, I was like, why are y'all here? I was like, this is fun. I was like, it's not fun. What would you do all day? It's like going to a dunk contest with sixth graders and I'm Michael Jordan. Like, what's the point? <laughs> what, am <I> doing? <laughs> what am I judging here? I do this all day. Yeah. So, I, so. Back to the fights, I'm really looking at the fights. I was like, hurry the fuck up because I want to go to this murder mystery dinner. And they obliged. Obviously. They certainly did. You still needed more time, though, because you ain't figure out Lady Gaga was the culprit. No. Always going Lady Gaga. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
co-main event, Kamaru Usman versus Hamzat Maev. It started out how I thought it would. Oh, yeah. A 10-8 round in the worst way. Hamzat shot for a takedown, grabbed a single, and the look on Usman's face was like, oh, I ain't never been here before. I'm fucked. I've been punched in the face. I've been kicked. I had never been here before. I don't know who to give more credit to. Like, Kamai was dominant, right? Yeah. But it was like Usman didn't have a neck in the, at the in round one. Like, the way he shrugged it, like, he avoided taking a great deal of punishment. He got dominant. He got flattened out. Yep. He got his back taken twice. The choke was in there almost four times. Right. But he it's survived that round. And, I mean, Kamai was doing everything to somebody who never gets taken down. We never really had to see work from the bottom position. Like, it was going to be a tough out, but man, like I have to give Usman a lot of credit for surviving. Yep. Yeah, and still, still a 10-8 round. Oh, 100%. Like, he but didn't even pinch him. Very few other people survive. I was like, no. oh, he's going to win this without taking damage. Well, yeah, again. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, he's going to have another fight where he didn't take a single punch, and he's going to submit somebody, and this time it's going to be a former champion and stupid impressive. So when that happens, I turn on my PlayStation 5 as soon as he takes him down on my other screen. Because the Penn State, why well, the game sucks? And I was like, I'm going to start playing Spider-Man too. <laughs> and then he survives around. I turned it back off. I was like, all right, maybe we got a fight here. Yep. And lo and behold, we had a deep. Usman comes back, gets the better of Hamzat in round two. I think everyone could admit that on mm, the feet. I don't think a lot happened. It was, it, I think for a lot of people. Usman's jab was sharp. I think for, for a lot of people, Usman got beat up so, be, dominated so bad in the first round that whatever he did in the second round, we were giving him credit for. That's fair. So, but it also felt like Kamaya emptied his gas tank. Yeah. Because I didn't understand, like, yo, just go after him. He shot for a takedown. Usman shrugged it off, and it was like, Kamaya was like, all right, I'm good. Let me just cruise through this round. Something wasn't right there, but it also made we me find out what was wrong. Yeah. A little later. We did, but it was like, man, like, he could have got rid of him right here, but he didn't. He left, he left Kamara Usman hang around the fight. Yep. And then third round, we get into it. They're on the feed. It's pretty even again. And then to the point where, again, you look at Usman and be like, maybe he has the cleaner punches. Everything looks, he's going his way. Like, wow, can he really get a draw here? Like, a draw is complete saving of face. Yes. It's great for coming off the couch, new division, all this stuff. And then Hamza takes him down. That was it. And he can't get back. He gets flattened and he survives. And even then, one judge gave him that round. Yeah. And he gets the draw. I yeah. don't know how he. I don't did. know either. Majority decision. Majority for, decision is. I was like, what? So going back to what I said last week, you know, I'm going to talk about the post fight interview with Megan O'Leary. People was like, Kamara has nothing to lose, and I was like, I don't think y'all realize, like, moral victories aren't don't mean shit for fighters like Kamara Usman. He doesn't fight to get a moral victory. It's win or nothing. And he loses this fight, which is now three in a row. Now most people go, man, he had a good showing. Which is true. But then you watch his interview with Megan O'Leary. And Kamaro's talking about, it's, it's like you can see him trying to figure out if he still had it, Right? Yep. And that's what I kept saying. I was like, he has something to lose. Confidence. Losing three in a row as a fighter, it makes you question whether you even want to do this anymore. Because he took that fight on short notice, not trying to prove something to Kamaya, but to himself. Right? And he was like, if I beat the biggest, baddest dude, I can get right back into the title picture and I can go where I belong. And he couldn't do it. So now it's like, does he stay at middleweight? Does he go back down to welterweight? Yeah. Like, what? And, but you, you have ultimately lost three fights in a row. And no matter what anybody says, oh, you did great. A loss is a loss is a loss. 
And it wasn't one of those, and we'll talk about Volkanovski and Makachev. When they first fought and Volk lost, he left that fight knowing, ah, I almost had him, yeah. right? I'm coming up in weight. I think I can beat him. I think I got to figure it out. I don't think Usman had that moment where he almost, he thought he almost had him. I think it was more so of a shit. Yeah. Like, I tried. Tried. Because all he could think about, I'm sure, is that first round. How the fuck did I get dominated like that? Yeah, because without that, at least I have like a good shot. Right. So it's it's debilitating when you lose a fight like that. I don't know where Kamaru Usman goes from here. I'd like to see. Got to go back. I don't know. And hope. I'm curious. And that Colby wins. I'm curious because even if Colby does win, do you just put Kamaru out there and just kick Benil Darius to the curb? Uh, not Darius. I'm sorry. Bilal Muhammad to the curb again? No. Usman has to win. But who's he going to beat at welterweight? He has to fight a guy like I, I, I don't know if he can beat Bilal Muhammad. Yeah, you got to fight Muhammad, but I think Muhammad would just get the next title shot, right? Well, like, he's in line. Like he's, he's just waiting. To him. He's like, I'm not fighting anybody else. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know who's after Muhammad in the rankings, but he got to be somewhere there. Yeah. Yeah. Just get one win. I'm not asking him to get a ton of wins. You lost to the champ twice. You know what? I would say, and it makes little sense, but you just got to run it back with Leon. Man, and I don't think you want to do that. Leon's just got your if number. If Bilal is going, then you got to say, well, I just got to run it back with Leon. If I could beat him, then I'm poised to fight for the title again. If not, then I shouldn't be here anyway. And this might be it. And then that'd be four losses in a row, three to the same guy. And a guy who's now the number one contender in middleways. Like, if, if I'm not here to be champion, what am I here for? See, here's what would actually happen. Because you mentioned Leon Edwards. It wouldn't be that. You know who they give Kamar Usman? Shafkat Rahmanov. And Shafkat oh. would murder him. Yeah, that's tough. So, because I'm looking at the rankings, it's not going to be Wonderboy. It's not going to be Jeff Neal or Sean Brady or Vicente Luque. No. It's not going to be... It's not going to get him a title shot. It could be Ian Machado Gary if the UFC decides they don't really want to give Kamar. But even if I'm Kamar, I don't really want that fight either. I want a fight that's going to get me a title shot. Yep. So maybe you stay at middleweight. Maybe. Are you any closer? I, you're not. You can fight Paulo Costa. Paulo's so big. Like, this dude. But I mean, at this point, you'd be like, well. Yeah, I know. I can fight the guy who's supposed to fight, and maybe it keeps me in the mix. I, I guess you, what you do is you sit and you watch what happens with Leon and Colby, and then you make your decision. Because if Leon wins, you're not getting a title shot. No. And Colby, you should retire. But maybe you stay at middle. Maybe try it at middleweight. Because. The next question is, like, Kamayo has been guaranteed a title shot, but he broke his hand in the first round, his yeah. wrist. And which led to a very confusing second round. Right. And then a third round where he secured the takedown, but it, it took a lot. He couldn't do much with it. No. So it makes you wonder because now he's going to be out. We don't know how long. And Sean Strickland's still champion. Yeah. Drick is his neck. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't just not put Drigas in that fight, which is <laughs> weird fight. And Izzy said he's taking time off. Right. To reset. Izzy. I might not see Izzy for a year. I have concerns with Izzy, this, this break, because I just don't know exactly what is behind. I didn't have concerns with the break because he's the most active champion in the UFC over the past four years. And even before then, his first year in the UFC, he fought six times. Before he got the title shot, right? Like he's fought a ton since he's been in the UFC. I didn't. I had no concerns. 
until we'll talk about this, the main event, the press conference after the main event, in which I understand one man is not another man, but it seems as though a camp we thought was very on the top of the game and one of the best, they still are one of the best camps in the game, but when you take late notice fights, when you're constantly fighting, constantly training, it's just a lot. It, it yeah, seems like it's know. just been a lot. There's a man now asking to be in the gym more and to stay as active as we've seen Izzy for his sake of frame of mind. And now we have Izzy saying, yo, I just did that. And I thought this was the way to stay in the gym, to keep fighting, to take on these challenges. Izzy's fighting, defending a title three, four times a year. Yeah. In, in MMA, like, yeah, you're going to lose. You keep doing this shit. You're running through fights and opponents. And to the point where he's like, yeah, I tried to do that. And now it's leading to a win one, lose one, win one. I need to just reset because doing and taking my mind off of things, just going back into the gym, back in the gym isn't working. So we, we see people on the similar path, just on two different spots to me in Israel Adesanya and Alexander Volkanovsky. I feel Volkanovsky is where Israel Adesanya was two years ago. Perhaps I can see what you're saying. And this is like, this goes back to a conversation we had about trainers and boxing. Like city kickboxing was on top of the world. Yep. Now city kickboxing, both of their champions. I mean, obviously Volk is still the, the featherweight champion, but we thought the same thing about Israel Adesanya when he moved up, right. Lost, came back down. No harm. Top no. of the world. But my concern with Izzy and his burnout is he lost so bad to street, Right. And he lost so bad and he didn't, like he showed up for the press conference and left, right? He was just like, I'm not really doing this. I'm out. Then he didn't say anything and he decided to take a break. And it makes me wonder because I'm going to assume that Adesanya makes more money than Volkanovski. I wonder if the hunger is still there for Adesanya at this point in his career. Because if you look at what he's done, there's really a question of what's left. And usually when you get to that point in the what's left, you go, I'll just go up a weight class. Yeah. Tried that. And it didn't work. And he came back down. And now he lost to a guy he had no business losing to. Right? You lost Osprey. You got that win back. It is what it is. Right? Even though you're still down in the series, in your mind, you're like, all right, I got past that hurdle. But then you lose to Strickland. Three and three in his last set. Right. And it's like, for a guy who was, again, MMA is a cruel sport. The UFC is a cruel sport. It only takes, when you start losing, it just doesn't stop. Yeah. I, I wonder if Adesanya still wants it. And maybe if he takes his time off, maybe he figures he does. Yep. And that's what, I don't want to say worries me because he's got enough money. But a guy who takes a break for that long, if he says a long time, Adesanya's not a spring chicken. He's in his 30s. Yep. You take a few years off and you come back. And this is also a conversation I've had with Sean Porter and other fighters. The hardest part is getting back into training. It's not the fight. It's camp. And nobody wants to do camp. Like Sean, when he fought Terrence Crawford, he didn't want to go to the gym. Right? Is Israel Adesanya going to want to go back to the gym? You got all this money. Everything. The reason why it's you fight. a lot fight, more fun than being in the gym. Right. It's like, I got all this. It's, I mean, shit. Look at our boy, Conor McGregor. Yeah. You spend all your career to make this money. You finally make the money. And you think, oh, I'll make more money by fighting. But then the thing that you love kind of turns on you. Now you lose in the thing that you love. But you still got all this money. You're taken care of. Yep. And then you realize, you know what? I don't really need this shit. I don't. I don't need to go to training camps getting hurt. 
I don't need to burn myself out. And I don't need to be losing to fucking Sean Strickland. I wonder if there's a part of Adesanya that has contemplated retirement. Curious. We'll, we'll have to see. Yes. Um, then that leads us to Volkanovski versus Makachev. Boy. And whoops, I was so wrong about this. I ain't see this shit coming. And this is, again, why I say Volkanovski is Izzy two years ago. Because he's dominated division, cleared out a division. Thought the same thing about Adesanya. What's the only thing to do? Move up, test yourself. Cool, you go up, you lose to Islam Makachev in a very close, tightly contested fight. Izzy goes up, loses, close fight. Gets taken down on the feet. Boom, I could have had Blagovich. Whatever. I come back down. He wins one. Alex come back down. He wins. Looks great. He got Alex one two. Came back down one two. No, he won one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. When do you beat Zombie? Zombie was for that. Okay. Yeah. One, or, one or two. So, okay, he wins one. Tough ass fight. Now, he had another one set up. But he's like, no, let me dare to be great again. And for Izzy, his one was, okay, Pereira's a monster and has no business fighting me after two fights, but let's do it. I feel, I feel that I am still that great, especially after he goes out there, he wins another one. Um, so it was like, okay, let's do it. He goes in and is knocked out. It's like, oh, shit. He has to reassess everything, but he takes that loss as a man. And he was like, oh, you handled it really well. Everything's great. It's like, all right, I lost a really close one in the division I didn't think I was. Then I lost the second one to someone I know I'm evenly matched with, but this guy caught me. Volk is on that same trajectory. I lost one. I came back down. I'm still good down here. I go up again. This time, knocked out. Shit. All right, but this is a guy I feel evenly matched up. So even if he comes back down, okay, maybe I can win one more, like in my division. But now you're looking at the point where Izzy's at where we'd be like, oh, Volk looks great, let's say, against, I don't know, Pori or something. So, oh, he handles him. Oh, he looks great again. But you got to fight like a Max Holloway again or someone else, someone lower than Max. Like, oh, he has no business beating Volk. Boom, Volk loses. Now do you handle it the same? Or are you at the same point where Izzy is, where it's like, yo, I just thought I could pour myself back in the gym, keep taking these fights. That's not making me happy. I got knocked out. I lost again. What now? I need to step back and take a break. It seems like they're on parallel paths of doing that. Um, DC ended up doing that towards the end of his career. That ended up in a retirement. Yeah. You know, so it was, it, once that cycle of, they didn't fall off the table because they were so great. DC, lose to John, whatever. Um, competitive fight. John pops, so that's a race from the records. Defense his title a couple of times. I think uh, becomes champ champ. No, yeah. becomes champ champ. Yeah. Faces John, gets his face kicked off, knocked out. All right, cool. Wins again. Well, that's when John popped. Okay, John popped a second. Yeah, that's how it got turned to a no nah, contest. That gets turned to non contest. All right, I can eat that. So now I lost a close one to John, got my head kicked off. All right, now I come back, and then that's when he becomes champ champ. Cool. Now I'm a heavyweight champ, and everything's good here. I beat Stipe, the big win. And then you run it back with Steve A. Now you get knocked out again. And you start playing one and ones. Yep. Because that layer of invulnerability is that it, it's gone. And you're no longer invincible. And then now it's like, oh, fuck. And then Daniel Cormier looked around and was like, well, I'm going to retire. So 
is he's at the point where it's like, oh, I kind of still making a lot of money. I can't pull a full Cormier and retire, but I got to figure this out. And I just need a lot of time. And Volk's on that precipice where you got to win three in a row. If not, you're getting caught in a cycle where you might just need to take some time off. And those three, the way he's talking, come back to back to back because he's trying to fight quick. And I'm not sure that's the answer to this. So I want to start with Islam Makhachev performance. Didn't see that coming. The head kick, like he fainted it earlier, saw the Volk bit on it, went to the body, and then went up top again, finished him. Volk has never been finished in the UFC. He's only been finished like yeah. I didn't see this coming and we'll discuss this number one pound for pound conversation. Two different ways to look at it. But he finished them. It's definitive. There's no rivalry. This is it. Makachev is the man. And now I'm to the point where I'm like, oh shit, I don't know if anybody can beat him. Because you knock somebody out like that? Like, Khabib wasn't knocking people out with head kicks. No, he was not. And then like the little training video came out of Makachev in the snow. Like, what the fuck is he doing? It's crazy. Like, they're all crazy. They're all crazy. They're <laughs> nuts. They're all crazy. But In the best of ways. Yeah, but that performance kind of solidified, like, all right, that whatever you thought was close, it was almost, almost like what John Jones did to, uh, oh my God. Alex, uh, Alex the Great. Yeah. Gustafson. Gustafson. Because the first fight was super close. Yep. But John was on all the cocaine. Yes, he was. They have the rematch and John just murders him. Theme roles, most of And like, Makachev kind of did that with Volk. Now, now here's where we're going to get to the part where you're talking about. It, it, it made me think a lot about mental health. And this, I was seeing Volk was breaking in front of us. Yeah. And it wasn't, I saw people talk about different theories. And I, I have mine. I don't know if it's correct or not. But I get the gist. And Volk, this is not the first time Volk talks about being active. He talks about it all the time. Like, I got to fight. I got to stay in the gym. I got to fight. But this was the first time he lost in a definitive fashion where it made him question everything he did. This hasn't happened to him. And if you listen to him talk and you look at his body language, he's like shaking back and forth. He's talking about, you know, I had to keep my head. This is a man who doesn't know what to do with himself. He's like clearly doesn't know what to do. with. Some people have speculated, oh, he's got problems at home. I don't think it's that. It's a it's an idle mind just drifts into dark thoughts. And I'm watching a man trying not to admit this because we also have to remember Volk is one of the most jovial figures in the sport. Oh, yeah. He's always happy. But now you start to realize, oh, some of this is a facade. Because the man lives and breathes in, in competition because he was a rugby player before this. He started his UFC career. He wanted to be active. He wanted to stay busy. He did that. He he won the title. He dominated. He was ranked number one pound for pound, but he always said, I got to get back in there. He was always a guy that said, if I win the lightweight championship, I'll come right back and fight and defend the featherweight title. Never wants time off. And we finally saw him in his element as the real Volkanovsky basically saying, I don't know what to do with myself. Because when you go into these training camps, whatever's dark thoughts or whatever you're dealing with mentally, as long as you're winning, kind of washes it all away. Lock it away. Yeah. And even when he lost to Makachev the first time, in his head, he was like, pull me back in camp. I know I can beat him. So he didn't have to deal with idle time. But now he's been definitively finished. And it's not embarrassing, but it's where do I go from here? Right? It's in the sense of, like, he knows he got knocked out. He knows he's got a big cut on his eyebrow. 
Like he knows he, he's probably concussed. He knows he's going to get suspended by the athletic commission. He knows he's not going to be able to train. Now he's got to sit there with just himself. Yep. And for the first time in his career, he's got to figure out what's next. And I don't know. And I don't know if it's, if there is comfort in going back to featherweight because now it feels like could be wrong, but I think he's starting to think that I'm just kind of spinning my wheels at the same job, right? Like he fights for advancement. He fights for goals. Like he's, he wanted to break records. Like he fought Max three times and beat him, yep. which is a special accomplishment. He went up, lost, came back. And Yair is like, oh, you got the title? Fuck you. I'm going to beat you up. And then the opportunity to fight Makachev popped up and he's like, of course I'm going to take it, right? Back to the, hey, I'll roll off scouts. I don't care. I don't like having no, like, idle time. And to your point, City Kickbox is like, there is no idle time. Come on. Yep. We'll get you back in there. And you just get hit, like, not even close. You did nothing in that fight. You, it wasn't like you, you had, like, if you listen to him, he was like, I didn't do anything. Yep. I just got kicked in the face and lost. I don't know where he goes from here, and it worries me that he doesn't know where to go. And this is where I'm getting <coughs> to your point. The only thing he knows how to do is fight, so he's just going to rush back in and fight. Because he, he, hopefully, him and Izzy have a conversation where Izzy's like, bro, don't, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, you, you running back out there, I know, like, we, let's go train. Let's go fishing. Let's go do other shit to occupy your mind. Fighting to clear your head is going to get you hurt. And I feel like that's where Volk is at in his career because Volk's not a spring chicken either. What else can he accomplish? Because the, the goal that he wanted to accomplish, he didn't even come close this time. He got wrecked. I wish, and, and I think you're spot on with what you said. I don't necessarily think it's like that. Like, like you said, it's not like the embarrassment of it, really, right? It's just knowing that, like, I set my eye on one goal, accomplished so many goals. And that goal is kind of dumb. And it leaves you lost a little bit. And I really wish both him and Izzy, this is going to sound weird, but this man is fighting this weekend. I wish they would talk to Tyson Fury. Because Tyson Fury speaks openly about his entire teens and early career. It was all for one reason. And that's to beat Vladimir Klitschko. And his mental health is always something he's publicly talked about. And he says the same things. I'm nothing without fighting. He tried to retire. Came back. He's like, yo, I might sign another 10 fight deal. It said this yeah. week. Because he's like, this is what I do. But also what he does is he doesn't, as much as he says, I need to be active. I want to be active. He takes long periods of time outside of the ring. Mm -hmm. Unless it's something where he really knows like, I could just mollywop this person and then, you know, just be in camp, but not like too hard of a camp just around. And I can still be a Dillian White. I can still be uh, Francis Ngannou, right? And then ratchet it up when he has to face a guy like Alexander Usyk or a guy like Deontay Wilder. And, you know, you know I got to turn this shit up and be a hundred of me, but he's not always a hundred of it. He's just around enough. And he's figured out like I can be in the gym and keep my mentals together without training for a fight that may put me in a compromised position. Because Tyson Fury exact, said exactly what Volk did. If I'm not fighting the way my mind is made up, if I'm not in the gym every day, this is going to go bad. And it, it wasn't shit about being at home. Loves his wife, 
all the kids. They are like kid number nine. Jovial, always the funniest, joking, ha ha type of guy. Up here, it is different when it's you and you. And when it's Tyson Fury and Tyson Fury, all those jokes and shit go aside. So he's learned how to fill that with different things for longer periods of time. Like he'll go, I think he took his old lady to like South of France for like three weeks. But he did an appearance. He ran the streets every day. Felt like training still. Took six months off. I forgot between what fight. He did a one-man show. Tour Europe. One-man show where he just talked about what he does. Filmed the Netflix doc. And their little site. You're close enough. And you'd be like, yo, I'm going to stay in the gym because I got to be in the gym for them to film for this doc. I'm not training for a fight, but we need stuff for the doc. So he's making up reasons to stay active. That isn't always taking a fight. I'm going to do this one man show. So yeah, I'll train in between and stay, but I'm going and you can't tell me Volk or Izzy can't travel around Australia and do random appearances, talk and, you know, still be around fights and help their teammates and Fury offers to train many people. Uh, Joseph Parker fights like out of his gym now. He's always like chilling with Joseph Parker. Tommy is one of Tommy's fights. Tommy's in the gym with him. He was like, oh, Tommy's preparing for a fight. I got to be in there with him. So sometimes it's not like about you always having to take that next fight. And it keeps you mentally fresh. And above all, it keeps your body fresh. Because you're not just rushing into real competition over and over and over. So he's found a way to like trick himself into this mental health thing. Because he knows what he needs without taking constant punishment. It's not like he fought Wilder twice and then ran right into Anthony Joshua and then right into Usyk. And that's what Volk is trying to do. Well, that's what Izzy did. They, it's going to catch up to you. Therein lies the difference with the UFC and boxing. Alexander Volkanovsky will not be allowed to take his time. He won't no. be allowed to take a softer touch. Money allows you that in the UFC. Well, he, there's not going to be. No, you can't get in there with a soft touch. But the money, as we'll see with Izzy, as we see with Connor, as we see with John, when you make a lot of money, it allows you to take six months outside of Octagon. But, a lot of these guys just feel like they're not built that way. But here's the problem. Still the chance. That's the bigger issue, right? Somebody fight for this interim. I'll be right back to whoop you out. Like, hopefully, like Dana's a content machine. The UFC is a content machine. Hopefully, they see this and be like, all right, cool. You've given us so much. Sure. Take the time that you need. And if we got to do an interim fight, because we should have already booked one. Yeah. The moment you fought Islam, we should have booked an interim title fight. Because if you win, we might need an interim title yeah. in anyway. the first place. Right? So, And it's Toronto. You're not in yeah. Australia. Who so that, that, that's the only problem. Like Tyson Fury has had the opportunity to kind of pick his spots. Fought Derek Chisora. Got his friend paid. Right? Fought Dillian White. He didn't have to fight Alexander Usyk. Maybe he just didn't feel like it. Volkanovski is not going to be granted that same leniency. It was like, I don't, if, if it's Taporia, if it's going to be like, he can't, he's not going to be able to say no. Because the UFC is going to present it in a way where it's like, well, it's your title. You got to defend it. And Volk being the yes man that he is, is going to take that fight, which I hope he doesn't do. I hope oh. somebody gets to him and says, and Tyson Fury told that shit to Ngannou and it'll end up leaning for Ngannou to walk. Right. But, you know, it's still one of those things where he's like, nah, bro, like you got to prioritize yourself. Like, Sometimes and, and what you want. You know, Floyd told that to Connor. Yep. Connor don't fight nobody he don't want to fight. No. Connor talked just... to Floyd, Leonard. He saw that whole production and everything. I was like, I got the money. I do what I want when I want. He's just got a whole litany of other issues. That, that's fair. Yeah. But Vol- you see him though in his training clips? Yeah. Back to the karate stands. 
and he's lost like 50 pounds. I don't know why, but Usada's gone, but he has slimmed and he's looking more like normal Connor than he was like Lamborghini big neck Connor. Yeah, we'll see how he fights, but I don't know. Yeah, that's what we got to see. But ultimately, I got, we got to see Volk take some time off, not for his mental health more than anything else, because rushing back in the octagon, fighting Taporia, you think you'll be ready, but your body might not agree. The with fights you. are always going to end. Yeah. There, there's, you can be as active as you want now for your mental health and everything. It's, you want to stay in the gym and everything. But if you're not going to face it now and get help and learn to cope, Father Time's going to force you to face it in five years, six years. That's when it's worse. Way worse. Because there is no, yo, there's a next fight. There is no more, you're feeling the thrill of walking out to the octagon. Like those endorphins, every, it's gone. Last thing, who's the number one pound for pound fighter in the world right now? Same guy it's been since about 2010. John Jones. Yeah. So I've, I, so immediately, like, I put our social clip, we put it on our, our, our channels, that I said, yeah, Islam is the number one, two pound for pound fighter in the world. Yeah. Right? Because John Jones is still number one. Boy, I have so many people DM me. How is John Jones the number one pound for pound fighter in the world? Do you see what Islam did to vote? There's a couple caveats to this, right? One, Makachev beat a guy in a smaller weight class, right? Fair is fair. That's, it's what happened. Yep. As great as Volk is, he beat a guy in a smaller, you know, on late smaller notice. Guy. On late notice. John is a heavyweight. He, and he's never, a, there has not been a human that has beat that man in a fight. I don't care what anybody does. As long as that man is breathing and is active, until somebody beats him, you're not better than John Jones. And I'm like, I think Makachev is great. But he just won the title. How many defenses? Exactly. Three? Like, yes. So, two. no, two. Two? Because. How many defenses does John have? That's what I'm saying. Like, and I know it's a very, what have you done for me lately business. I haven't even looked at the UFC rankings. I, I didn't move them. I, like, I moved Makachev to two. Volk is three. John is one. Volk's still three? For me, yeah. Okay. As long as, I mean, losing to a, a Somebody like Makachev. On short note. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't hurt him. He's still the king of the featherweights. He's still the king of the guy who's the greatest featherweight all the time, Max Holloway, to a lot of people. But I think... These are updated. Who's UFC up? rankings. Uh, pound for pound, John Jones. Okay. Uh, two, Makachev. Three, Volk. Four, Leon Edwards. I'm definitely not moving Leon over Volk, so you're no. right. Uh, Olivera's five. O'Malley, six. Strickland, seven. Izzy, eight. Boy, what a mess is, is uh, it after Pantoya, nine, Pereira, 10. Yeah, it's a mess because there's a bunch of people that lost and a bunch of people beneath that, right? So I saw people just like, he's the best fighter in the world. I'm like, yo, did y'all, I don't understand how y'all forgot that John Jones still ain't lost. He ran through a man at heavyweight. Like he mowed him down. Knife through butter. And for me, knowing that John's fighting Stipe in a month, I ain't got time to move this shit because then you just got to move him right back. Yep. Because unless Stipe can beat this man, I don't get it. Islam beat Volk twice and Charles Oliveira. Other than that, he hasn't fought Justin Gaethje. He hasn't fought Dustin Poirier. What a matchup that would be. Uh, there's a lot of great matches. I'm not saying there's not a chance for Makachev to be number one right now. 
Nah. Not why John, John Jones is active. Dude, as long as John Jones breathes, as long as he fights like enough to stay in the, the cycle of the pound for pound rankings, he should never not be number one. No. Like, I need to see this man get tested, yep. lose. Do you I've really- seen Islam lose. I've seen him been in, you see, that Volk fight was very close the first one. He's had, had very good wins outside of that. The level of dominance of John Jones is just, huh. you, you can't match that. I know people are like, oh, well, Dominic Reyes fight, and Thiago Santa, like those fights. John still won, right? He still won. Dominated DC, who's better than both of those guys. He beats all-time greats. Yep. Gus, John, Gus John made his MMA debut in 2000. He made his UFC debut a year later. The I man, never see that. The man has never lost at the hands of another human being. The, when he made his debut, George W. Bush was still in office. I think it was actually 2007. George W. Bush was still in office. Like, nobody has the reign of dominance that John Jones has. And as we have seen, like, a bigger point is, have you seen the shakeup in the UFC over the past year? Like, nobody's dominant. Shevchenko has lost. Amanda Nunez has lost. Everybody loses. Marl's lost several times. Kamara lost. Like, you go. Izzy's Izzy lost, lost. Times. Go down Aljo the list. Lost. They all have lost. Everybody that you thought was dominant. Amanda Nunez lost to Juliana Pena. Yeah, that was still a lot. Shevchenko lost. Shevchenko lost to Alexa Grosso. These are two women that we have said are the greatest women of all time. Before that, it was Cyborg who got knocked out by Amanda Nunez. Before that was Ronda who got knocked out by Amanda Nunez. Juliana Pena beat them. In all that time, you know who hasn't lost? John fucking Jones. Why do why don't we have a women's bantamweight champion? Uh, because they don't know what they're doing yet. Yeah, okay. That's the, an actual division. It's an actual division, but the because Amanda's gone and nobody in their right. Well, Bueno Silva popped in the Holly Holm fight. So she's suspended now by Usada, which they'll probably turn that right back around at the end of the year because Usada's no longer here. But nobody yeah. wants, no disrespect to Raquel Pennington, but nobody wants to see her fight for the title. Yeah. Juliana got to fight somebody. Holly Holm is still ranked fifth. It's gross. It's the weakest division in MMA. They need some new blood. Macy Chase on. No? That's what I'm saying. Like Aaron Blanchfield has mentioned, like, maybe I'll just go up to Bantamweight. Because it's like, God damn, anybody going to fight for that belt? But all that to say, like, in all the time that we have had all these people that we've called the greatest, Daniel Cormier, I'm going to just go on these names over the past 15 years. George St. Pierre, Daniel Cormier, Cain Velasquez, Stipe Miocic, uh, Rose Namajunas, Al- Valentin Shevchenko, Amanda Nunez, Jose Aldo, uh, Frankie Edgar, Trying to think who else I'm missing. Tyron Woodley, Mar Usman. They have all lost, and John Jones hasn't. Everybody that's ever been named, oh, he's Khabib. He's the only one who hasn't lost. And he but, bounced. But it took him so long to get the damn title that by the time he got it, he only held it for like a, a cup of coffee and he was out. Conor McGregor lost several times. J- Conor McGregor at one time. Oh, he's the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. DC was a two division champion. John beat him. Yeah. It's John Jones has the longest tenured winning streak ever. Fedor Emelianenko was, was one of the greatest, but he even lost early in his career. Yep. John has never seen nothing like him. This is crazy. And people like Islam Makhachev is above him. What? How? Are you serious? People You're happy put Habib above him all time. How? You just can't. Until this man loses, 
in the most volatile sport in the world. This is the most volatile sport because you are nobody's safe. He was like 21 beating the best of the best. Right. He Legends. Beat, he beat Shogun Hua for the title at 23 years old. Yeah. That is unheard of. He still is the youngest UFC champion of all time. And we're really having a conversation of who's the best pound for pound fighter today. Makachev didn't move up a weight class. <laughs> no. He wants to. But no, he did not. No, John... And it's not like John fought in a division like Makachev has this opportunity. He's fighting a very competitive division. It's one yeah. of the best in the sport. John's like, was not that. Well, no, no, no. John, light heavyweight was the most competitive division. Yoda Machida. Oh, Shogun. back then. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he beat then. everybody. Everybody you could name. All-time greats. Legends. Everybody. John was like, what's up? Rampage. Rashad. Yoda. Yeah. Shogun. Like, Vitor Belfort. And then he beat him at their own game. Leoto Machida was a guy who was like, oh, the Leoto era, this guy's untouchable. Shogun beat him. John beat Shogun. Leoto came up. John choked him to sleep. Standing. Like, what, what are we talking about? DC. Oh, this might be one of the greatest fighters of all time. Hey, kicked him to hell. Yeah. There is nobody better than John Jones. We got to stop having this conversation. At all. And Cyril Gunn was not like a pushover heavyweight. Oh. Made him look like a beginner. And what did Cyril Gunn do in his last fight? One. Yeah, he knocked out somebody. Yeah, so I don't understand these conversations about, like, is this guy better than John? No. It's like Michael Jordan when he was playing. Yeah, there's not a heavyweight on this list that I would honestly say touch it. Like, Sergey Pavlovich is great. I don't think he's they're, John Jones. They're all interesting in some way, shape, or form because just like Aspinall Jordan. all looks good, but John runs through it. Just like Jordan, at a certain point, you're just trying to find somebody to yeah. beat him. Please. Like Hope Father Time catches. Yeah, like Jordan, his dominance was like, there was never, and this is always like the argument with LeBron that I, I like to have with people, there's never been a day on this planet. When John, when Michael Jordan came into his own and was just winning scoring titles, nobody ever said, Mitch Richmond, Charles Barkley, Pat, nobody was ever better than Michael Jordan. We have this conversation with LeBron James every like two years, Kevin. Like we find somebody that we Kobe, think is better. Kevin Durant, Steph. But Michael Jordan was dominant. You couldn't come in the room and say anybody's name. People are like, get the fuck out of here. Yep. That is who John Jones is right now. And if you're just picking somebody, like the years that Michael Jordan didn't win MVP, it was like, because you got tired of giving it to him. That's the power for power. That's it. It's like, you're tired of putting John up there. It's like, we want somebody else to take it. No, you got to beat that man. Yep. Michael Jordan went six for six in those NBA finals. That man, that man went home, said, his dad died, said, I'm going to play baseball. And he was like, ah, oh, you know what? I like basketball. I'm going to come back. Came back. Towards the end of the season, wasn't completely in condition. He came, rolled off the couch. Then the next three seasons dominated the league. There was never a question. John Jones is in that conversation in MMA. He is the Michael Jordan of MMA. Nobody can beat that man. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch because his pay-per-view is next. Next, New York. New York. If John runs through Stipe, then. Dog. Do you see Chael Sonnen? Chael was like, I choose not to watch Chael. Chael was like, you know, because Stipe was getting ready for Francis, so he put on all this muscle, so, you know, he's going to give John a run for his money. I was like, have you heard Stipe talk lately? He's not, he's not beating John Jones. No. Like, you guys, I don't understand, the, I, I don't know where we come Stipe's with Stipe's boxing is okay. But, but, no. I just, he's I just, not going to have a chance. John's going to take him down and have a world, and people are like, oh, Stipe wrestled, uh, and Ganu. And Ganu when he was it. So really? Go take John down. See how that works out. Yeah. He's he better not shoot. And he, he better learn to sprawl. Like, John's gonna test you on some shit you can't learn in a firehouse. It's it's good luck. It is 
crazy. Like I was really thinking about because I'm, you know, I'm doing John my- by sub, by the way. Yeah. If there's a subathon going on, uh, shout out to Nick from Veterans Minimum. He's subathon, gonna, John gonna, by sub. He's going to embarrass Steve. Is what he's going to do. Yeah, he he's going to embarrass Steve. Is what I. MMA is a weird sport, but I don't see it happening any other way. But I was sitting there going through doing our by the numbers, and I was like, I've done a bunch of these. New angle. And I just started doing dates and counting like how many wins he has and who's he beat and his records. And I was like, I'm looking at him like, I've never seen anything like this. No like, one has a resume. No. Like, we thought nobody beat Valentina Shevchenko. We thought nobody beat Amanda when she got on that run. Even, even like people were like, what about Anderson Silva? Yo, Anderson Silva lost before he went on that run. Real Chonin, flying heel hook. He lost. John doesn't know what that feels like. The only comparison to John Jones you can make, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. You got to cross sports. You have to cross over sports. And then even then, fine. Even then, there's more ways to lose in MMA there, than there is. 100%. In but the it, closest comparison. That, that's the closest. That's, that's like looking at Jordan. Yeah. And being like, fuck, the only person I can try to go get is Montana. Back in the 90s. Yeah. I got to compare him to Montana. Because that was as close as you can get. Of a comparison, you had to go to a different sport because I'm not even Gretzky, Montana. Like, we got to go to those guys. Right. Because he's so much better than everybody over here, numbers wise. Yeah. And dominance wise. I got to, all right, yo, we're, we're just going to throw up a Jordan versus Montana graphic because we got to start comparing greats versus greats because it's, it's a wash over on this side. It ain't fair. And John's the same thing with. With Floyd, like, yo, we just got to start comparing them two. Because even then, the difference is John fought. Floyd had a choice of who he fought, yes. more or less. John did not. No. John fought anybody who was ranked, anybody who was a champion, anybody that stood in his way, he beat them. Like, badly. I, I, just, I just couldn't believe my comments. It's on my, I was like, bruh, he just got here. I, I'm watching the greatest mixed martial artist that's ever lived in action. And if he beats Stipe and he decides, which I truly hope he does, because then we can never have this conversation again because it's over. Yeah. If John right. says, I'm done, I beat the greatest heavyweight of all time because, you know, nobody's ever defended the heavyweight title more times than Stipe Miocic. Yep. He holds that record. If John mows him down and John looks around and was like, I've done everything I need to do. I'm finished. Like Jordan riding off. Like he should have after he hit the, the shot over Byron Russell against the Jazz. Nobody remembers that other shit. Don't worry. Nobody about like, it. but I've watched Shannon Sharp argue about the Wizards. Bro, nobody. But if John decides it's over after that, to me, it's almost similar to Jordan that I don't care what you do. <laughs> like, I don't care what you do. You're going to, you know how much time you're going to have to put in to catch John Jones? 15 years of being undefeated. 15. I, nobody counts the Matt Hamill elbows. Nobody gives a no. shit. He was mowing that man down. 15 years in the most volatile sport in the world. You stay undefeated. He's the best fighter in the world. If you beat Steve and retires, you can just shut the book on it. Y'all fighting for number two for almost the rest of your lives. Yeah. It's, it's going to be hard to top that ever. So we'll see. We have no MMA coming up this weekend, so nothing to preview. That means next week, and the card's not like great. Next, next week's card. Um... So we'll throw our MMA interview at the back end next week of the boxing one. And we'll make that a combat sports means hip hop next week as a show, which should be fun. Wale's album comes. Yeah, he's working on it. Yeah. Soon. Um, then I, I won't be here next week. Be in New York. Oh shit. I'll be here Tuesday, but I want to hear it Thursday. It's yeah. The world film. Yes. Congrats, by the way, 
Our Heroes Rock. Um, everyone's loving it online now that you guys announced it. Tons of support. Can't wait to see the, the outpouring of support when you go to New York and everyone gets to watch it. And, and we're a lucky few that actually seen it. We're actually doing a media run. So, yeah, I can't tell y'all where we're at yet, but some of the more prominent New York spots where you'll see us on there next. next. I'm excited. Yeah. So that's where I'll be. So on the car wash. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Like I'm on the other side of this. So we got a publicist and I was just like, yo, I've never been on the side of the game of people. I usually ask for the interviews. I don't get interviews. (laughs) So, you know, people reached out to me and I was like, go to our publicist. So we got a publicist. Who the publicist, our publicist, just so happens to be the publicist for Cam and Mace, who do this podcast in this studio as well. She's a good friend of mine. So she looked out and, yeah, man, we'll be in New York next week. Me, E, and Johnny doing the media run. We screen Saturday. Uh, Get to meet a bunch of people. Von Orgy, uh, Neil DaCosta, like a bunch of actors and actresses are all going to be there. And we get to rub shoulders with a bunch of people. and. It's going to be a weird thing, but throw the bag of money at me. Yeah. I'm coming back here. Listen, man, I'm going to get you via Zoom or something. I'm going to lock your <laughs> ass in. <laughs> Big time, Dre. Big time. I teach you like all the friends when you go to a barbershop. What's up, Hollywood? What's up, Hollywood? No, man, it was a great show today. We still have uh, more shows coming up later on in the week. We'll have boxing where we talk Fury and Nganu later on in the week as well. Uh, pro wrestling, of course, catching up on everything that the week has to offer as we continue to build toward the WWE's next pay-per-view crown jewel in Saudi. And I'm sure AEW has one. I don't know what the name of the next one. Full gear. Full gear. And then uh, we also have TNA. The yeah, return to TNA. Boy, yeah. Talk we'll talk about Bound for, boy, Bound Bound for, for Glory Gore. was good. Impact's pay-per-views have been taken up a notch. So plenty of pro wrestling to talk about when we come back later on in the week. In the meantime, make sure you guys follow us on all platforms. And wherever you guys listen to podcasts, leave us a like and subscribe on there. Shout out to everyone here at Blue Iron Studios and the Wind Resort in Las Vegas. For myself, for the old man Andreas Hill. Till next time, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.